Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming to you on the great hump day edition of the yard. We had uh, media availability with Mississippi State football last night. It will be our only availability this week as the Bulldogs will enjoy a bye week this Saturday. Coach Jim Moorhead met with us last night, shared some thoughts on several things. We'll discuss that today. One of those being Mississippi State Bulldog football team will be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They'll give them the opportunity to go home. Uh, that, that'll be good for a lot of people. Sometimes it's good to go back home and kind of walk around the high school campus. And Garrett Schrader said he might go home for homecoming. Just kind of figure all that stuff out as they go. But the bottom line is is that um, they have already begun their uh, prep for Tennessee. Coach Joe Moorhead said they put the Auburn game to bed on Sunday. Did their cleanup, practice, and that sort of stuff. Got it all behind them, and now they are uh, focusing on, on Tennessee. And uh, there will be some things I'm sure they'll tweak after this weekend's game with Georgia. Uh, but, um, you know, the bottom line is, is that it's going to be a pretty light week for Mississippi State. Coach Moorhead said that uh, he and his assistants will be out on the road recruiting this weekend. And they said he loves recruiting. And I, I, I was glad that he said some of the things that he did because I think there are some people out there that maybe – don't fully appreciate how involved that Coach Moorhead is uh, with recruits. When he first got here, and I began to hear from, you know, because I always ask the, the recruits when we interview them, it's like, you know, who's your guy at Mississippi State? Who's the guy that you stay in contact with the most? And almost to a man, they would say, hey, it's uh, my position, position coach and Coach Moorhead. And in some cases, they would say they heard from Coach Moorhead more than they did the area recruiter. And that, that's not to, to throw shade at the recruiter, but to really to kind of illustrate how involved Coach Moorhead is in the process. And he said last night that he loved recruiting, uh, loves recruiting. And I think at Mississippi State, you have to love recruiting. Mississippi State, as much as we all love it, is not a place that necessarily recruits itself when it comes to college football. You know, we're up against uh, some of the heavyweights in the game, so we have to do some things to kind of differentiate ourselves. And that's one of the things that Joe tried to illustrate last night is, you know what, we may not have all the buzzers and whistles some other places do. We may not have the facilities that some other places do. So we've got to do some things to make us stand out in the crowd, and that includes involvement of the head coach in the recruiting process. Now, that hasn't always been the case here. That's one thing when Coach Sylvester Croom was here. Coach Croom was involved in the process, but it wasn't like a day-to-day deal, if you understand what I'm saying. He, he let the assistants, 
you know, recruit. He'd make a phone call when needed. He would certainly do a great job on, you know, on the in-home visits and do a great job when, you know, when the parents and the players came to campus. He was great at that. And uh, Coach Croom, a really down-to-earth, very personable person. And so he did a good job, and I believe it took him probably a couple years to kind of figure all the the recruiting aspect of it all out. People forget that 2009 class that that remains the greatest Mississippi State signing class of the modern era. That's the Fletcher Cox, Tyler Russell, Chad Bumpus, Jonathan Banks, Parnell McPhee group. I'm leaving some people out, but you know what I'm saying. that's, That's the group that really changed the expectations here at Mississippi State. I mean, goodness, you get, you know, you got, I think, nine NFL players in that. Cameron Lawrence is in that group. You know, there's a lot of big-time players in there. And that that class really gave Mississippi State and Dan Mullen a running start into kind of changing the program. And I, I'm seeing, you know, a lot more of that type stuff with Joe as far as identifying guys earlier building the spree decor. And it was one of the things that I wanted to address too. Because uh, somebody, I, I didn't, I couldn't tell, and I, and I would look the name up, but uh, but it, it really doesn't matter. And so I'm, I'm not going to be disrespectful, but this guy made a comment about something that I said about uh, Dan Mullen and when that, with Joe Moorhead being mentioned in connection with the Rutgers job, basically saying, I can't wait for Steve Robertson to talk about how disrespectful this is. L- let me frame that up for you a little bit as best I can. So, I had conversations with Dan Mullen when he was here more than once about when his name would get mentioned for other jobs. Now, some of that was his agent leaking his name out there because the bottom line is, you know, Mississippi State was paying him, and every year there was an, there was an extension and a raise, and that's his job. That's his agent's job to get the best deal for his client. And, of course, Dan ended up changing agents because there were a lot of jobs that Dan was mentioned in connection with, and a lot of that came from his old agent, jobs that he would never take. And so there was not a lot of bargaining power. I mean, like you know, when Dan is mentioned you know, in connection with the Rutgers job, a job that he would never take because Dan was making over $4 million, and I think at that time Rutgers had never paid a coach uh in excess of $2 million. So he's not going to leave a $4 million job for a $2 million job just to be a little closer to home, not to mention the fact, and I remember talking to one of our Rutgers reporters at the time, and he goes, you know, man, I've got a friend of mine that's a big booster, and he knows Megan Mullen, and said, you know, eventually they're going to look to come home, not knowing that Megan Mullen's parents had moved to Starkville. You know, so there was a lot of factors with that. But But Dan and I talked about that sort of stuff, and, I, and he asked me before, hey, do you think all this stuff impacts recruiting? And I said, yeah, Coach, I think it does. I, I, I don't think that it is helpful on the recruiting front for, the, for there to appear to be such a temporary deal. You know, it's like every, every year, I know as fans, we all felt like we were being held hostage every single year. Now, I don't fault Dan Mullen for getting the best deal for himself or his, for his family. But when Mississippi State's paying him $4.5 million a year to have his name floated out there in connection with jobs that he wasn't going to take, all that did was stir up unrest among the fan base and make it harder to recruit. Dan, on the other hand, he felt that it was good for the program. He's like, you know what, I think it's good. You know, it shows that I'm a coach that's in demand, that, hey, the Mississippi State has a coach that other people want. And, and you know, that may or may not be true, uh, but the reality of the situation is I think many Mississippi State fans you know, were hopeful that Dan would come out. And there were a couple times he did because there, there wasn't a lot of uh, interest a couple of years. Or at least there wasn't opportunities that Dan would be willing to take. And say, so, hey, you know what? I'm happy here at Mississippi State. This is where we plan to be for the foreseeable future. But just about every year there was some unrest. And a lot of that could have been headed off. Uh, but the reality of the situation is Dan Mullen was never going to go to Rutgers. Ever, Dan Mullen wasn't going to go to Virginia Tech. I said it's when Dan was here. I said he would only leave for a top ten job, and I think we can all agree Florida is a top ten job. Certainly, and so that's framing that up. That that's not necessarily a shot at Dan Mullen. 
that's really kind of a shot at how that was handled. And you can you know, point some of the finger at his agent. That's a guy thinking he's doing the best for his job. But there were some unintended consequences that I think Mississippi State picked up a tab on. But the reality of the situation is, is Dan Mullen's not here anymore. Now, we did address this with the Rutgers rumors with Joe Moorhead last night. And one of the differences between all of this is, is that Joe's agent is not out there, at least from what we're told, is not out there actively leaking his name for other jobs. Because let's be honest, okay? We're all family here. We can be honest with one another. You know, Joe Moorhead at this point, and I like Joe. I think I've shared with you guys. I'm very supportive of Joe. Joe has not done enough as the head coach at Mississippi State to command interest from other jobs that would pay him a comparable salary to what he's making now. That's just the reality of it. Now, Joe goes, you know, gets hot here late and maybe upsets A&M, goes 8-4, and four, wins a bowl game, gets nine wins, and then does that again next year. Uh, then all of a sudden, yeah, I think maybe that he would drum up some interest. I just don't think at this point that, you know, and Joe essentially laughed off the question yesterday and then said that he, you know, he had not been in contact with anybody uh, about the Rutgers job. And it's interesting, you know, one of the things that happens in this industry, and I'm going to back up just a second here and talk about Egg Ball 2017. And I touched on that a little bit in the last show. I'm not going to belabor the point because we've got a lot to talk about today. But I get I get phone calls Monday and Tuesday of Egg Ball Week telling me, but with people in the agency business, because there are people sometimes that'll leak names to you to get you know their their client's name mentioned in connection with jobs. You know I think I've done a pretty good job over the years of you know of reporting assistant coach hires and that sort of stuff. I think we get out ahead of that, and a lot of that is just building relationships with people that work in that line of work. But I had some of my best sources in the agency world sharing with me the week of the egg ball is that hey Dan Mullen's going to Tennessee. He is going to leave Thursday after the egg ball and fly to Knoxville to interview with John Curry, and that's on Monday and Tuesday. And then, of course, things changed when Florida got involved on Wednesday and Scott Strickland called and, and requested permission to speak to Dan and was told, hey, you know what, that's fine, but let's wait until after the, after, uh, the Egg Bowl. And Scott honored that request, as he should, and you know that he would. Uh, but the reality of the situation is there's a lot of people that they, they put that information out there because they want to have, number one, their, their clients' names associated with jobs, and then on the flip side of that, the people that are doing the hiring, they put out some names out there as a smokescreen to protect the real candidate, especially when there's a, you know the, the situation like at Rutgers when you know Rutgers is not going to command you know a big time coach at this point. I think a lot of people think it'll be Greg Schiano, which would probably be a good fit for for everybody involved. But the reality of that situation is is that you know when you put when you have a coaching search mid year. There are going to be names that are going to be put out there to kind of float to, to attract some interest in the job, but at the same time protect the real candidate. But that's the reality of it. So, again, you know, that whole comment about this being disrespectful, hey, it, it is disrespectful. It, it is absolutely disrespectful to have Mississippi State, for Mississippi State's coach, people to suggest that Mississippi State's head football coach would leave for a lesser job. I, I, I don't I don't know how to, how to explain that any – you know, any, any more thoroughly to suggest that the Mississippi State head football coach, who is very well compensated, would leave for a lesser job, for a lesser paycheck, just to get away from Mississippi State. How else are you to take that? That That's like to say your wife left you for a poor or uglier guy, and you're not supposed to take that personal. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'd like to remind you that our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, they're here to serve you. A great place to break bread in Starkville. Man, we absolutely love it. It is, without a doubt, the Robertson Family Restaurant of Choice. I've had so many people that have reached out from Tupelo that have said, you know what, Steve, I had never been to Bulldog Bird Company in Starkville. We've tried it in Tupelo. We love it. And you were right about the spring rolls. You know what? I'm absolutely right about the spring rolls. And you know what? They'll make you better looking. Go by, try them yourself. Look in the mirror. You'll appreciate it. You'll see a more handsome, more beautiful person looking back at you after those spring rolls. Find your own favorites. Again, I'm riding the Lauren train for now. You can have the chicken wings. You can have the kale state salad. There are a lot of things you can do there. Some healthy options in addition to a great restaurant quality hamburger. So we encourage you 
Go see Bulldog Burger Company when you're in town, you're passing through for business, or here on game day. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo, where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So we did visit with a few players last night. Again, it is kind of a light week. You know, in addition to talking with Joe Moorhead about Rutgers and that kind of sort of stuff, we did speak with him about you know players. And Tommy Stevens did not practice yesterday. Tommy's still battling with a right foot injury, right ankle injury. Schrader took the reps with the ones, as expected. But um, these practices this week, as Joe said, really kind of more of a developmental thing where you're getting more reps for some of those younger players, kind of giving the, the older guys a chance to relax a little bit. Next week will be more of a game week, but this week is kind of a bonus. You're not preparing for an opponent, so you're taking some time to kind of work with some of those younger guys. And it's interesting, you know, Garrett Schrader comes in with that freshman class, and then he's not working with them. You know, he's working with the veterans. It's interesting how it all worked out. Uh, But, again, Stephen Stephen Guidry did practice. Tommy Stevens did not practice. Kareem Walker did practice for Mississippi State for the first time in shells. And so... What that means is is that he is not in full pads yet. He is not available for contact. There is a five-day acclimation period for players. They, they don't just go off the street and right into full contact. So there's a you know, few days to allow them to kind of get up to speed. Uh, that's been in place for a long time now. But uh, so Kareem Walker, who has been on the team but has not been a full participant in practice, and uh, yesterday takes his first practice. Colin Hill says that Kareem has already been like an older guy to him, that uh, that they've already begun to kind of build a relationship, even though that you know Kareem has not been on the field. There are times that they will talk, and Kareem will point some things out to him or things that he sees. And so he has been engaged. He has not just been sitting around the dorm waiting for a phone call. And now he is you know one step closer to being a full participant on the football team. Again, I do not expect any contribution from him this year. He is so incredibly far behind, even if he showed up in the best shape of his life. He is so far behind from an installation standpoint that uh, there's just there's, there's no reason to expect him. It's already October. You know, he was hopeful to be here uh, in July. Then that got pushed back to August. And then, then he shows up uh, in September and begins football practice in October. The regular season ends Thanksgiving. So just kind of let that sink in. So, again, it's good to have him kind of working towards something, but at the same time, too, the expectations about all that are, are somewhat uh, muted. We did ask, Colin Hill also said, too, that he is working to kind of improve all facets of his game. And uh, you know, that that's not to be unexpected. But I asked him specifically about pass pro. That was one of the things last year that uh, he really, really struggled with. And he has been some better this year. He is not the pass pro guy that Eris Williams was. Eris Williams was outstanding in pass pro. And I give a lot of credit for that to Coach Chambliss and the folks at West Point. You know, that's one of the things that I, that I will say they did a great job because of the fact that they 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 run a pretty limited offense, but it is, it is one that is, you know, rooted in physicality. And so Eris Williams understood initiating contact he understood blocking he understood leveling his pads out and kind of squaring somebody up and so it became it was a little more natural for him you know Colin was a guy that uh, got a lot of touches at Columbus High School whether it be as a receiver or a returner or whatever they always found a way to get him to football and so he didn't always learn to play exceptionally well without the football because he generally had the football and so as a result maybe his learning curve was a little bit less than uh, or a little bit longer I guess than Ayers Williams but he's getting there. And I do think he's been better this year. But he, he, it's, he's far from a polished product in that respect. It is still something uh, that he is working to improve on. And, you know, I'm probably a lot kinder about it than he is. I think in many respects, Collins is on worst critic. And I asked him about passport, and he goes, man, i got to get better. I, I absolutely got to get better at that. Uh, and, you know, I think that is a fair assessment. That's one of the things about a lot of star players. They don't always work on that aspect of their game. You know, there are a lot of guys that come in and, and they're great ball carriers and they're explosive with the ball in their hands, but they don't see the field quite as much because they can't handle the game without the football. That's where I think Colin Hill, that's probably where he needs the most polish as a, an NFL prospect. Now, he is an explosive guy, and he is a guy that has no aversion to contact. He's just still kind of learning 
the pass protection aspect of it. I did like the way we used him as a receiver uh, against Auburn this past Saturday. You know, he had, that, he had that great catch and run out there on the on the left flat, out there on the home sideline, and uh, you, know, you know, just explosive. Would like to see more of that because I just don't think in open field there are not a lot of those defensive backs that I think want to take Colin Hill on. And I, I just don't think that's the reality of life. I mean, there are guys that want to push him out of bounds or go low, which is why he's hurdling people to try to limit the hit. But the reality of that situation is, I think in the open field, Colin's just going to run run through somebody. They're not going to be able to arm tackle him. So let's get him in space a little more. Everybody's going to load the box. But I think you've got to find a way to get him the ball in space and allow him to let his athleticism take over. We got video of, uh, of Jim Moorhead's press conference last night that's available for free at jeanspage.com also uh, videos with Garrett Schrader and Kylan Hill also for free you can go watch those at Jeans Page right now for free you don't have to be a member but you should be but uh, we did record all that for you guys and uh, they, they they broke practice a little early last night and I, I don't even think Health State TV was there so we might be the only folks that have the Joe Moorhead press conference in its entirety and I would just about I think I think that's correct. I think we're the only ones that have it all. Maybe maybe Logan Lowry had it too, but I, I know that uh, there were other people still on in route to the Seal Complex when practice broke, and so they were a little bit late getting it up. So so as a result, they may have a partial transcript and video. We've got the whole thing uh, for you guys there at jeanspage.com. Encourage you to go watch that. I had a couple people say, you know, Joe seemed to be a little bit irritated, a little bit aloof. I, I didn't, I didn't get that feeling at all. I thought Joe was Joe. I, I didn't, I didn't sense anything at all. You know, obviously last Saturday, he was very, very, very disappointed, and uh, you know, maybe a little bit cagey at times. But uh, I didn't, you know, there's no disrespect. I, I, I don't want a head coach that gets beat as bad as we got beat to go in there and just kind of be all nonchalant in the press conference. I want to see some emotion out of that guy. And it's one of the things again. And I bring this up on the show more than once. I don't, I don't understand. A lot of people would say, well, I'd like to see some fire from Joe. I, I don't know how you could see any more fire. I, I, I really don't. I'm, I'm on the sidelines every game, and I can tell you, uh, Joe is very much engaged and very, very, very animated in his actions. I don't know where this false narrative comes from that Joe doesn't have any fire. It's just not true. It, it, it is part of a false narrative. And I think it's one of those things – when you lose a ball game that is somewhat embarrassing, as Saturday night certainly was, everything is magnified. Every negative thing is magnified, and and so people begin. It, it, it all starts this, you know, it starts rolling downhill, and then everything is bad. E- everything connected with Mississippi State is bad. People don't even want to wear maroon. You know, it's you know the ice, the ice in the drinks is bad. You know, it's just one of those things that. Losing bad magnifies everything that's negative about you and your program. Just like winning allows people to ignore your warts. You know what? As long as we're winning, man, I can put up with whatever. But to go down there and get beat the way we did, I mean, it, it brings out the worst in people. And, and I've seen people on our message boards, on Facebook groups and social media, that there becomes this fighting. There becomes basically two different factions. And let me share with you this. You're both wrong. You're both wrong. And there are some people that say, well, you know what? You love Mississippi. I love Mississippi State more than you. You know, it, I, I don't think that's fair. I, and I've said on this show before, I think there we all handled, you know, disappointment differently. You know, there are some people out there that there is this, you know, very, very, very vocal minority of people that live for us to do poorly. That's that self-loathing Mississippi State fan. There are some people, they simply, they wait in the weeds to, to be the loudest, most negative voice they can possibly be. And, I, I again, that's how they cope with all this. As I've said many times, it all comes from the same place. The bottom line is we all want the same things. We just handle disappointment differently. We all want Mississippi State to do well. We want Mississippi State to win big. We wanted Mississippi State to go 10-2 and two or so last year and really challenge Alabama for the West and, and go to a New Year's Six Bowl game. It didn't happen, and we were all disappointed. And we come into this year, and our, our expectations are somewhat temporary. We begin to think, okay, maybe we're like an 8-4 and four type team. We're a solid bowl team, probably not going to challenge Alabama or LSU, but we think we've got a chance to win some ball games this year and have a good year 
in kind of a post-Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Abram world. And then all of a sudden we drop a game to Kansas State. So now it looks like the C1 is 7-5. and five. And then we think, okay, Auburn's not really been that explosive on offense, but maybe we can go over there and keep it close. And we go over there and we not only do we not keep it close, we really look bad that first quarter. And so when and, and I'm saying this to those folks that are they're trying to be the hall monitors, and I'm not and I don't want to be disrespectful to those folks either. But those folks that get a little animated about their discussions, they don't love Mississippi State any less than you do. And for those of you that jump up and down and you talk about how you're not going to accept mediocrity and all that kind of stuff, which is the dumbest phrase in the history of the world, because you're going to either accept it or you're not. It's like, you know, we, we don't really have a lot of say in the matter. But you don't love any you don't love Mississippi State anymore just because you get all wild and crazy and you use profanity and all that sort of stuff and get in people's face. We all love Mississippi State. And the last thing that Mississippi State needs is for a fragmented fan base to be at odds. That's why we need to go win this next ball game. We have to go beat the Tennessee game. We have to go beat Tennessee in Knoxville because that's gonna that that's gonna that's gonna calm a lot of things down. We got two weeks to gripe, and because you can already see it now, people are like, "Hey, well, if we lose Tennessee, how are you gonna feel?" You know, I I don't know for sure my exact emotions, but I can tell you if we do lose Tennessee. I'm going to be extremely disappointed. But if we win against Tennessee, which is what I expect us to do, if we win that ball game and we look good doing it, then I'm going to feel a lot more optimistic about the rest of the season, as are you. And listen, we've got a couple of tough ball games ahead of us. You know, I, you know, I'm looking just from a talent standpoint, looking at LSU and Alabama, you know, you kind of knew that before the season started. Those are going to be real difficult games. One of the things that Joe mentioned last night that I think is worth repeating is he goes, you know, I don't want it to get lost in the wash how well Tommy was playing before the injury. You know, that first half against Southern Miss, we were carving them up, and uh, Tommy was just, you know, the ball was coming out on time. The ball placement was perfect. Receivers were catching the ball, and uh, we're doing whatever we wanted to do offensively. We were, we were fixing to hang 50 points on Southern Miss and laugh our way home, and he got hurt. I think at that point we were all thinking, you know what? Hey, it all makes sense now. Before he got injured, we're thinking, you know what? Now we see what Joe saw in Tommy. Now we kind of see the vision of the Joe Moorhead offense. And then he gets hurt. And then we bring in Schrader. And, uh, you know, Schrader has the helicopter play and earns the respect of his fan base and his teammates and players and coaches around the SEC. And you think, you know what? This kid has got something special. He's going to be great in the future. Well, then all of a sudden, he asks, he goes and plays against Kentucky. And save really just two or three plays, he was absolutely outstanding. And then you're thinking, hey, you know what? Let's run with this kid. I'm okay with that. We won, we won a lot of football games with Nick Fitzgerald, right? We weren't always the flashiest offense, but we won. Then you get involved in the next ball game, and, and uh, Tommy gets hurt again. You bring Schrader in, and, and again, it's instant offense. You know, at this point, the game the game had all but been decided when he came in the game. But it appears to me that we've got a couple of good options at quarterback. When we have a healthy Tommy Stevens, and my hope is this bye week and next week will get him healthy. But it's nice to have some options there. I just want to win. I don't care who the quarterback is. And, again, best-case scenario is is that Garrett Schrader doesn't play a snap the rest of the year. We can have him for four more years because I'm a big-picture guy. But that said, I'm not willing to sacrifice the season just to give him you know, a, a fifth-year senior year because we're going to continue to recruit other quarterbacks. You know, Will Rogers is our guy for this class, and I like Will Rogers a lot. I, I, I really do. I think Will – Number one, fits Mississippi State from a skill set point of view, from a social point of view, from a recruiting point of view. I think when you begin to look at what what makes Will Rogers Will Rogers, he, he fits at Mississippi State. I think it's a great fit for us. I think it's a great fit for him. But we're going to have some – we're going to recruit some guys behind him. You know, we're recruiting, you know, uh, you know, 
Ty, Ty Keys right now from, from Taylorsville. And I believe if he wanted to commit, we'd, we'd, we'd take him right now. I think there's any question. So we're going to have other quarterbacks. you know, And I think Garrett will again kind of raise the profile, the recruiting profile for Mississippi State. And I think that will open some doors for us. But I think when you look at, you know, 2020 and 2021, you can address your needs right here at home. And that's not to say that we don't need to go out and look for the best available quarterback prospect. But my point is, is that, uh, you know, we have some built-in advantages because it, it appears right now that the state of Mississippi is producing some quarterbacks that kind of fit what we want to do. I'll remind you guys, too, if you are one of those folks that likes to have some skin in the game, you know, college football, NFL football, you're always picking winners. And maybe you're winning the office pool and you don't have much to show for other than some bragging rights. Our friends at mybookie.ag, longtime sponsors of the Boneyard during football season, they are here to serve you. Because it's not just who you bet on, it's who you're betting with. MyBookie is happy to have you as a client, and they will give you some incentive to join them today. They will double your initial deposit by using the promo code BONEYARD. That's B-O-N-E-B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D, BONEYARD. Don't know how to spell my own show. And that's mybookie.ag. They will match your initial deposit just by using that code. So you're already playing with some house money. Go pick the winners. Put your money where your mouth is. Make a little cash. You play. You win. You get paid. Mybookie.ag. Again, it's promo code BONEYARD to double your initial deposit. So uh, a couple other things I wanted to get into. I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, they announced the rosters for the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game today. Mississippi State had eight commitments selected for the game. Uh, And let's run through this real quickly here. The game's going to be on the campus of Southern Miss on M.M. Roberts Stadium December the 14th. So that's the week after the state championship games. It's going to be right there at Southern Miss. And we've done pretty well as of late, okay? And I, and I, I, I want to win that ball game. I do. I know some other people kind of look at it as a, uh, a sideshow. But I, I like to win that ball game. I like to have some bragging rights over our folks you know, across the state line there. Offensively, Mississippi State gets L- Tulu Griffin. Lydiatric Griffin, that's his uh, Christian name, but Tulu Griffin, too, what they call him, Tulu. Tulu and Jaden Wally of D'Iberville also makes it. Tulu from Philadelphia, Wally from D'Iberville. Will Rogers, the aforementioned Will Rogers from Brandon, also selected. And South Panola running back, Janari Dean. I think you can win with that group of skill guys right there alone. really like that those guys made it. On the defensive side of things, Armandus Cooley of Wayne County. I went to see him play in person. Really like him a lot. He's playing defensive end. He'll be a D-tackle on the next level. Along the front seven, two, Jevin Banks of Olive Branch, selected as a linebacker. He is going to play with his hand on the ground, but uh, it'll be good to see him run around a little bit. Then in the secondary, Emmanuel Forbes and Cameron Three. Emmanuel Forbes from Grenada, currently the number one prospect in the state of Mississippi according to 247 Sports, and Cameron Three of Lewisburg. So those are your eight Bulldogs. Again, Tula Griffin, Jaden Wally, Will Rogers, Janari Dean, Armandus Cooley, Jevin Banks, Emmanuel Forbes, Cameron Three. Some other names that you might know, Alex Adams of South Pike, former Mississippi State commitment. Alabama commitment, Xavier Hill, offensive lineman out of Olive Branch. Jimmy Holiday out of Madison Central. Probably Jimmy might be one of the more undervalued prospects in the state of Mississippi this year. Currently committed to TCU. I uh, understand Ole Miss and others are still kind of after him. And then uh, Josiah Hayes of Horn Lake. And then uh, Montre Edwards of Home County Central. Those are guys that have made the team. Rufus Harvey of Starkville High School. So we got some local flavor there. It's uh, it's It should be a good roster and should give us a chance to go win the ball game. And, uh, again, I like our offensive skill in this class. If we can protect a little bit, and we do have some offensive linemen that I think uh, should be able to do a pretty decent job there, especially with the, uh, the all-star game rules. But, uh, again, Mississippi State can be very well represented uh, in, in this game, uh, has, which is normally the case. But I think every one of these guys certainly uh, certainly picked deserving of the honor. And when you begin to kind of look, break the whole thing down and look at Mississippi State and uh, Mississippi State's commitment list, 
most of your in-state guys made the team. And that's, there's always one or two guys that, that don't make it, and there's always you know one or two guys that probably deserve to make it that don't. And you know what? That's okay. That is absolutely okay. But the bottom line is the state will be represented in the game. Excited to see how it plays out. Really, really excited about that. And, uh, again, this is a group I think is capable of going over there and winning the game. I don't know that it's um, maybe not as star-studded as maybe perhaps last year's group was. But uh, this is a group that I think will kind of have a chip on their shoulders. I think they've got some things to prove. Certainly like that secondary. Like it a lot. Uh, another comments today, too. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the uh, the women's basketball rankings have begun to come out. And uh, Mississippi State, I'm going to run this down for you. We'll give you the top ten here. This came out earlier today. The number ten team in the country preseason according to Michelle Smith, UCLA. UCLA is number 10. South Carolina, our, our uh, arch rivals in women's basketball in the SEC, South Carolina, number 9. Your Lady Bulldogs come in at number 8. And here's what she says about State. The Bulldogs, the reigning SEC champs, have achieved such national stature that replacing the bulk of its starters for the second year in a row, including 6'7", Tierra McCowan, isn't enough to keep them off this list to start the season. Getting another year of eligibility for guard Jordan Danbury makes life easier, and promised Taylor a 6'5 transfer from Ole Miss is the best candidate to replace McCowan's productivity in the paint. We will have the opportunity to speak to Ben Howland and Vic Schaefer on Thursday, and we'll have that content up for you on Gene's page later in that day. And then, of course, we can talk about some of that stuff on Friday uh, as we get ready for a weekend that does not include a Mississippi State football game. Uh, but I'm interested to see what he's got to say specifically about Promise Taylor. You know, she had off-season surgery last year. You know, she was in a boot on a cart, I guess, when during State's, uh, you know, run to the uh, to Elite Eight last year. But uh, but the reality of the situation is it's going to be a much more guard-oriented team, but you've got some bulk down low. You really do. Just ahead of Mississippi State, number seven, UConn. A little bit of a surprise, I guess you could say, but uh, – that they've got to kind of reload there. You know, Nafisa Collier and Katie Lou Samuelson are gone now. And so not the uh, the UConn team that we've seen in recent years. Oregon State's number six. Good program there. Number five is Maryland. Kind of quietly put together a pretty good run here as of late. A&M four. A&M four. Interesting. And a, lot of that's, a lot of that's about Kennedy Carter. And I know some of our fans don't like her. And a lot of that's because she is such a hard-nosed competitor. And listen, you know, she talks a little trash. I've, I've, that, that stuff doesn't bother me. You know, it's like, you know what, if you don't want her to talk, then then, then shut her up. And, um, you know, she did get that technical foul and I guess ejected in the ballgame against us. But uh, looking back on it, there wasn't a lot to that. But the reality is Texas A&M is going to be really good this year. And uh, I, and I, it's, it's good for Mississippi State, in my opinion, when the league is good because of the fact that uh, I think – by winning the league, it almost gives you almost a guaranteed one seed. It's weird to say that we're sitting here looking to defend a back-to-back SEC regular season championships. It's crazy. But that's the reality of it. Number three, Stanford. Number two, Baylor, the defending national champions. They, they, they return a lot. It's going to be a much different deal down low with them. But uh, they'll be back. They're going to be fun. And then our, uh, our the team that put us out last year, Oregon. You know, Sabrina Ionescu is back, and uh, that's going to be interesting. Kind of kind of glad that uh, we don't play them this year as a younger team. Yeah, I really thought last year we played them in the rematch. I mean, yes, we had to play them in their backyard, but uh, really thought we would be able to get them. We didn't, uh, but uh, Mississippi State, clearly has risen up the ranks when it comes to respect in women's basketball. The fact that uh, you begin to you know, run the numbers here and you begin to think about you, you kind of have a transcendent player in Tierra McCowan. You lose her, who ends up making the WNBA all-rookie team, and you're still picked to be in a top ten. You're still picked essentially to be a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think that's encouraging. And I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. There were times last year, you know, offensively, that we, we really weren't 
maybe that is ex- explosive. You know what I'm saying? We, we'd run down and run some half-court sets, and, and we didn't have that perimeter game. And I really think last year, and I think most of you would agree, if State had had one more perimeter shooter, we might have won a national championship. But because we couldn't get, you know, really stretch the floor some, people would kind of sag inside on on Andriel and, and Tierra and, and sometimes get them in some foul trouble. But the reality of the situation is we're going to be a much different team. Everybody you talk to about Rakia Jackson, everybody talks about she used the real deal. A lot of comparisons to Victoria Vivians. A lot of people say, you know what, she is that good, arguably the best women's basketball recruit we've ever signed. That That's pretty high cotton considering what we've done in recent years. But people are telling me that, you know, she, like Victoria, she can create her own shot. She can shoot over people. She's very prolific from three-point range. And she can put on the floor and go by people. And so, as a result... She will be a big part of our offense this year. And then you begin a factor and you get Jordan Danbury back, which was an unexpected surprise. They filed a waiver, and thankfully you get the right decision. And that's one of the things, too, to be fair. There's all this angst at times, like with with basket, with, with football. You know, like we, we didn't get uh, love cleared, and it turns out he ended up being injured anyway, so it wouldn't have really helped. But we do get Jordan Danbury another year, and she has already played in four seasons. But the reality of the, because of the fact she had to sit out that basically that full year, the NCAA did the right thing. And she was not owed that year, but we did a great job making the case. And now she comes back. And you remember the, the leaps and bounds of which she grew last year. And you begin to think about that this year. Uh, it's remarkable. You bring her back. You've got... Jessica Carter back. Chloe Bibby is now healthy. You bring back Espinosa Hunter. You know, it's easy to talk yourself into to, to a frenzy when you think about women's hoops. Uh, I think this is a team that's going to be very, very exciting. Not that last year wasn't exciting, but I think at times on offense we were we were a little bit boring at times because of the fact that we you know we're really more of a uh, mid-range shooting and post team. I think we're going to be able to stretch things out and give Promise Taylor uh, and Jessica a chance to really kind of get some one-on-one matchups down low. And I really I really think that's when we were at our best. When you think about a couple of years ago, Tierra's junior year, when we had all those assassins out there on the perimeter, you know, with Blair and, and Morgan to a lesser extent, Victoria Vivians and Rashonda, you know, we could spread the floor and just shoot from outside and then get Tierra down low. And because she was such a prolific rebounder, there was nobody in the country that could really compete with her. I think you're going to see a lot more of that brand of offense. And I think we'll get out and run a lot more. Yeah, that's one of the things uh, with Jasmine and Jordan last year. When we were able to get out and transition, we could make people pay. And I don't know that there's anybody in the Southeastern Conference that's probably as quick from baseline to baseline as Jordan Danbury with the ball in her hands. I think she has a chance to be outstanding this year and, and that that was just one of those things that happened that, that was completely off the radar and something that really really great and beneficial for mississippi state i want to remind you too when you're in town campus bookmart a stark villigan institution uh, they're here to serve you stan ray miss kathy brown the lovely talented Susie spoke with kathy yesterday as a matter of fact her cheery self tells me that uh, They've got a lot of new items that are coming in as they get ready for Christmas. So uh, you need to be prepared for that. And I have people that ask me all the time, Steve, hey, we, we, I'm trying to find Flim Flam. You know what? You can get it at Campus Bookmart. I've already signed all those copies, too. You, you can order it right from them. They'll ship it to you. And uh, by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That, pay, that phrase is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks is absolutely incomplete. Again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So where do we go from here? Well, Friday we'll be back, and uh, we'll talk about the weekend that, that, that will be. And if you are in town and you have not had uh, your fill of Mississippi State sports, meet us at Duty Noble Field on Saturday as uh, Louisiana comes in for the fall baseball scrimmage. That'll be 1 o'clock, admissions free. This baseball team is going to be exciting. It's, you know, it's one of those things, again, it's almost like some people think, well, you know, Ethan Small is gone and Jake is gone and Elijah McNamee has gone. And you know what? Those shoes are going to be difficult to fill. But this is a very, very talented roster that's coming back. I mean, begin to think about this. Not just who we've lost, 
But look at who we have coming back with Justin Foscue and Jordan Westberg and Roddy Jordan and Tanner Allen. Those guys have uh, have proven that they can play. You know, Josh Hatcher last year had an opportunity to get out there and swing a little bit. And I remember one day was about a 10-game stretch there where he carried the team. Be nice to see him in the lineup a lot more, you know, regularly. Then you've got some very talented catchers, you know, Luke Hancock, Hayden Jones. It's all going to boil down to pitching for us. I mean, it really is. You know what you've got in JT again. Don't expect to see him this weekend. They'll, they'll be really, really limited with him. They're going to make sure he's good to go when the season starts. That'll be here before you know it. But you got Big McLeod. you got Sarantola. we got some other big arms out there, some guys that you're not quite as familiar with. You need to come out and check them out. So if you're in town, come by and meet us at Duty Double Field on Saturday. I'm excited to get out there. I'm excited to, uh, to see us play, you know, a competitive game against another team. And uh, it, it'll be a good crowd. It's, it's a great time. I'm, gl- I'm glad that Lamontis and them are doing this because there's a lot of people in the area that, uh, you know what, enjoy getting out. And we love baseball, man. We are a baseball school. Much as we all love football and women's hoops, we are a baseball school. That's the one thing for sure. Throughout our lifetime, we've been always been able to kind of poke our chefs out about is college baseball. So come out this weekend. Be a part of that. Uh, we're going to be out there. We can't wait to get out there. Uh, should be good weather for us. And we've got some cooler weather coming next week. And so we have a chance to get together at Davis Wade Stadium here in a couple weeks. Should be fall weather. Should be a chance for you to wear a sleeve and not be uncomfortable. Remind you, too, later this month, it is officially book release month. Stark Villains will be out later this month. We'll have a firm date as we get closer. It's one of those things that I always get updates, and they say, hey, the the printer's going to finish it this week or maybe this week. But anyway, it'll it'll be this month. And uh, you can pre-order the book at starkvillainsthebook.com. And you can order your T-shirts and hoodies at StarkVillains.com. Starting to see a lot more of those around campus on game day. Starting to have people tweet me their pictures of them wearing their shirts. Even seeing some former Mississippi State student athletes contacting me about getting shirts because they want to rep the brand, and I, I appreciate that. And I think everybody, once you read the book, you're going to want to identify as a Stark villain because you're going to see, you know what, we have kind of been on the right side of history when it's come to Mississippi athletics on the college level. We've, well, we may have been cast as the villains by the self-proclaimed heroes up the road at Oxford. We've been on the right side of history more times than not. And so uh, the writing this book has been one of the greatest joys of my life, and I'm looking forward to the next one, but I'll tell you this. I'm going to enjoy this book tour. I'm going to enjoy getting out. They're already beginning to book dates, and so many people already contacted me about setting up private signings, and we're going to do all of that. We're going to do it all, try to get as many of those things sold before Christmas as we possibly can. But uh, excited to do that. But I'm going to take some time to kind of enjoy the book tour and enjoy getting out and meeting you all, taking pictures and, and all that good stuff, and just kind of talking about the book. Uh, it, is, uh, it is something every time people say, hey, Steve, tell me about the book, I think we end up having like a 30-minute conversation because I'm really fired up about this book. And, again, you can pre-order it at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And uh, I think it's going to be one of those things, too. This is going to be, while Flim Flam might have been a book that made the rounds, you, know, you read it and you pass it to a friend. I think Stark Villains is one you're going to want to keep. So buy one for yourself and maybe buy one to give away because I, this is kind of the one of the historic volumes about our athletics history told by the people that lived it, coached it, breathed it, played it. Uh, so many great stories in there. And I've shared with you guys before, interviewed Coach Jackie Sherrill for the book and Ron Polk and Coach Bob Tyler and Morgan William, Anthony Dixon, Derek Pegues. 1970 SEC Pitcher of the Year, Brantley Jones, one of our greatest baseball teams that is often forgotten. Had a chance to speak to Brooks Dunn and Brett Cleveland about the 2005 SEC Tournament Championship win. Uh, And so a lot of those great stories, Nick Fitzgerald, Nico Whitley, a lot of stories that, that you've got interest in from the rivalry, big wins in the rivalry for us. And, again, this is this is a pro-Mississippi State book. This is not a book that's a, you know, throwing shade at Ole Miss. I mean, this is about our big wins in the rivalry, uh, told in the words of the people that, that struck a big victory for us. And I think it's important that those stories be told. And uh, I'll share with you, I wrote this in the book too. One of the things that really got me motivated to write this book was the untimely passing of one of our heroes, Stan Black. And uh, I thought when that happened, it really it really bothered me. I had so many people reach out to me and say, hey, have you heard this about Stan Black? Probably more so than most deaths within the Mississippi State family. And they're all, anytime we lose a member of our family, it's 
it's it's a big deal. And we've lost some student athletes that have shared some big memories with us. And it always rips at our heart. But I had I probably had more people contact me about Stan Black than any, than any Bulldog in history. And it really bothered me that Stan and I never got a chance to kind of sit down and talk ball because I've, I've been told he had such a great ability to recount and tell stories. And I thought, I even told Strat and Caritas, I said, Strat, listen, I've got to get these stories documented before our heroes are, are dead and gone. And so I'm committed to do this, not just this book, but other books. And so if you know great stories in the rivalry and you know people that are connected to it, please let me know. And again, these are not stories where we're just going to be ne- negative about Ole Miss. This is about celebrating Mississippi State successes, and that's what I tried to do in Stark Villains. And, and uh, there are times when I wrote this, and I would share this, share some chapters and stories with other people, and they would say, you know what, I forgot about that. And there was one chapter in particular, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I had a chapter about Nick Fitzgerald, and I had two different people read the chapter, and both of them said, you know what, I, I, I caught myself with a lump in my throat reading some of this stuff about Nick and about some of the things that he struggled with and about the price that he paid to be our quarterback and the things that he dealt with coming back from that gruesome injury and then to see it all, the redemptive quality to come all the way back and then to beat Ole Miss in Oxford in his final game uh, in the rivalry. And so I uh, got his comments, and I really enjoyed writing that chapter and some other fun stuff too. But uh, look forward to you guys having it again. This is book release month, man. This is it. And so uh, go ahead and pre-order that book, and uh, we'll have it out to you. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys around. And hopefully you can be with us this weekend at Duty Noble Field. Until Friday, let's all live our lives in a way we can make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.